0: You know, in 1982, God brought me to this city and he told me to start a church. And so I dug out a dirt floor, 16 by 32 foot building. Didn't have any money to take it to the dump, but didn't have any uh, dump to take it to. So uh, somebody told me that so-and-so had a dump at his house, so I asked him and he let me dump the dirt of that old building out after we left that building they tore that building down and uh i came here and i remember meeting with the man that owned the building and i told him i said god told me to come to this city and to preach faith and i'm going to do signs and wonders and miracles and he said you're going to do that here in this city i said yeah and he said well as long as you do it i'll give you your rent money back now since I moved out of there, he hasn't been sending me any rent money. But then we moved into another building, an old ice cream building and Kroger's owned it and uh, we bought it, they wanted $78,000 for it. I approached them, his name was Pat Elsall. And I said, you know, I'd like to buy that building. And he said, okay, he said, "Uh." I know the investors, he said, they, they want $78,000. I said, can you tell them I'll give them $28,000, but I don't have no money, so I'll give them $200 a month for three years, and then I'll borrow enough money to pay the remainder off. And he said, preacher, he said, listen to me. Them people don't need your money. I said, well, why don't you just tell them what I said? I said, I'll get back with you in five days. And he said, okay. He said but i can just tell you right now they ain't going to change their story and come to find out he was one of the owners so that's why he wasn't going to change his story and uh so about four days later i seen him in Kenniger's restaurant and uh i said uh hey uh, uh, mr al sol i said uh have you been able to talk to those guys he said you know what i did and he said lo and behold i don't know why they're doing it but they said If that's what you wanted, that's what they would do. So we renovated that building. We stayed there for about a year and a half, and then we doubled it up to 400 uh, people, and it is now the city library. Then we moved over here and built the first sanctuary. We were here, and then we built the second sanctuary. Then we added on to the first sanctuary. Then we finally built this building. The Lord told me in 1982 he said son I want you to come and I want you to bring I'm bringing you to this city to preach faith. I said, "Well, people have faith." He said, "People don't have faith. People are infiltrated and diseased with unbelief." And he said, "I want you to preach faith." So I started preaching faith in that little dirt floor, and that's the only thing that has ever kept me alive is that I have preached faith i really don't believe in doubt it doesn't do much for me and uh, i find it doesn't do much for the people that possess it and love it and cling to it and exercise their spiritual authority in it it just kills them and so as i was uh getting ready for this next season in my life through prayer and fasting and uh the lord spoke to me and said son i want you to preach faith again i said god you know what they hate faith more now than they did than when i come here he said that doesn't matter he said i still like it so i said well i'll preach faith then and he said i want you to preach it without limitation don't hold back give it to them if they don't like it that's between them and me but don't you hold back don't be still. No matter what they say about you, keep preaching it. They've talked about me for years. He said they don't know me and they don't know you. So you preach faith. You do what I asked you to do. And I'll bring you to a happy ending. So I'm hoping that that doesn't mean he's going to kill me when I get done with this message. So, but if you will, praise God, turn your Bibles to... Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and verse 12. Hebrews 6, 12. Now, I want you to understand that I'm not here to explain why we don't see what we think we should see, work or not to work. I'm not here to make excuses for God. He's big enough to make them for himself. And so I'm here to preach to you faith. I'm here to preach to you the potential of every believer. I'm here to tell you that there is nothing impossible if you will simply believe in an impossible God. And it doesn't matter what we go through, where we go, or where we end up. God is true, and every man is a liar. And so we today choose to side with faith. Hebrews, the sixth chapter and verse 12, it says this. That you be not slothful. That word slothful is negligent, lazy, do-nothing attitude. But followers of them who, faith, through, who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now the word inherit simply means to receive, to obtain, or to receive something that does not exist except in verbal description to see it become materialistic. Let me say that again. The word inheritance means something that is described verbally but then by faith it is brought into a material existence. In other words, faith takes the word of God that is written on pages And causes it to have a materialistic embodiment. And so when somebody believes God for something, that promise that is designed by God, when faith is mixed with that promise, that promise goes under a supernatural creative act and it becomes a physical feeling experiential substance. The Bible says it this way, by faith do we understand that the the worlds were framed by the word of God through faith. It was not made out of nothing. It was made out of the word of God and faith. The word of God and faith ends up creating materialistic substances. Now, we may not want to think of it like that, but we do have to understand that if a promise is a verbal description of what God will do if an individual mixes faith with it, then we understand that this word right here that defines what God desires to do, a promise, which is an inheritance to the believer, that when we mix faith with it, It goes through a creative transformation and it goes from a descriptive word into a materialistic substance that you can touch and feel that you can change that you can form that you can alter so we understand that the worlds before God spoke they never existed except in the voice or the word of God. But when God spoke it, even though there was nothing but words, the substance of faith joined with those words created what you and I now see as planet Earth. Every tree, every dirt, every piece of dirt, every flower, every a fish, every animal, The whole animal and plant kingdom existed only in a descriptive form until God said, let the earth bring forth. And when God said, it brought forth. Could it get an amen? All right, so faith has the ability to take this promise right here that is laid out, that is descriptive of what Jesus has done for you and I at the cross it is a description of what Jesus has done now it is real but it is not tangible you can read it it will bring forth faith it will feed your faith it will encourage you it'll stir you it'll excite you but until you mix faith with it it will never be anything except a description. Could it get an amen? See, sometimes people think because it's in the Bible, it's going to come to pass. That's not true at all. It's going to come to pass on two conditions. One would be the sovereign will of God. Something or a chain of events that he and he alone had determined to come to pass at a set time in this world now those are sovereign acts those are not things that we can alter those are not things that we can transform they are not things that we can accelerate or decelerate they are going to take place well why does god choose them because he's god and you're not amen so why god does one thing for someone or does something for another nation, is not up for you and I to determine or to question. Ours is to realize that God has an overall plan, and then he has a plan that is subject to the faith of people. Jesus is going to come back, whether the world is ready or not, and it's appointed unto man to see him but it's an appointed time that only the Father knows. Now, it is not subject to man's faith. is not subject to what the devil is doing. is not subject to anything except God's sovereign decree. And he will bring it to pass, and it doesn't matter if people believe in it or they don't believe in it. Amen? It's going to take place. The resurrection of the just and of the unjust. You can believe it, you don't have to believe it. People say, well, I just don't believe that stuff. It doesn't matter, God never asked you and he's not dependent upon you. And you're gonna stand if you're a sinner before God. And if you're a saint, you're gonna go through the judgment seat of Christ. Whether you like it or not, it's gonna happen, amen. And then there is the promise and the will, the plan and the purpose of God that has to do with the faith of every believer. See, it's not God's will that any man should perish, uh, 1 Timothy 3.10, but we also know that we are saved by God's provision of the description of salvation. It becomes real when we as individuals mix our faith with it. Now, it's not that... Salvation is not available. It's available to every man. And God has made it available to every man. And every man can be saved. And, we te- and it tells us how we are even supposed to use our faith to receive that promise. So the other is, is that God's will, defined by the scriptures, becomes real based upon everybody's individual Faith. Now, whether you get saved or not is totally up to you. It is not subject to God; it is subject to your faith. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, and God has given every man the measure of faith. Well, well, well. I thought sinners didn't have faith; they don't. Well, when did God give it to them? You know, you're trying to strain. At camel, you're swallowing camels and straining at gnats. God's smarter than you. He knows the thought and intent of a man's heart. When a man has decided in his heart to receive Christ, there is an effusion of a measure of faith. Well, just when that is, would you please shut up and just know that God knows what he's doing. Stop trying to swallow camels and choking on a bunch of fleas amen all right so and god gives man faith now after that this is god's will for the man that is born again it is the description of what god desires to do but this description will never ever become materialized or a part of this universe this tangible universe until the individual that finds the description adds their faith to it. So when people say, "Well, you know, I'm just uh, you know, if it's the Lord's will, it has nothing to do with the Lord's will." Well, if it's God's will, you know, He'll do this. No, He won't. If it's God's will, He'll uh, He'll give me a better job. No, He won't. If it's God's will, you know. Uh, He's going to make a way for us to have a car. No, He won't. If it's God's will, He's going to put beans on our table instead of dust. No, He won't. If it's God's will, He's going to bring clothes for our kids. No, He won't. See, this is God's will described to you. But it's up to your faith. Every sinner can be saved. No sinner is going to hell For a lack of faith. Sinners are going to hell. Because they refuse to use their faith. And again I'm not saying that sinners have faith. You understand. We go right back to quit swallowing camels. And choking on gnats. Amen. So we do understand. That what God wants for you is described right here. Now that is one part of the formula of seeing something but the other part is your faith somebody say my faith my faith faith. now if somebody possesses something then we understand that it's in that individual's care now let's go to habakkuk 2 4. habakkuk 2 4. there you go thank you have a or haybuck or how about a passabuck now watch this behold his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him now the comparison is but the just so people that are lifted up refuse to depend on god refuse to mix faith with god's provision Those people have a prideful spirit. The Bible says a man should humble himself and we live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now that is a great secret, but the problem is most of the church is prideful, stiff-necked, and ruled by unbelief. And I don't mean the Baptist church down the road. And it says this, but the just shall live by what? That's not what it said at all. But the just shall live by whose? This is not God's faith. It is your faith. It is your faith. Every believer that has been justified, cleansed of guilt, freed from his sins, reconciled unto God, He's a born of God. He's a child of God. He is born from the seed of God. Every believer that's been justified, acquitted of his wrongdoing, now is to live, live, live by his faith. Now, God has given every man the measure of faith. Romans 12, 3. That measure of faith is enough to see a man live an abundant life and to reach a godly end and to hear well-done, good, and faithful servant. Now, it is his faith. Somebody say, his faith. Now, you have been given a spiritual substance. It's not nothing. It is a substance. It is a spiritually experiential, feelable, tangible substance. It is a thing of the spiritual realm, and Jesus said that a man must be born of the Spirit. Now, you can't see how it does it, but it is like the wind. You can see its effects. So in the world that we live in, you could not measure faith except by actions or by the things that people were doing or by the results that they were getting. (coughs) But in the spiritual realm, it is a literal substance. It's not in nothing. It is a substance. And so here it says that a man shall live by his faith. Somebody say his faith. Now it says that we should live. Somebody say live now these promises right here define what living is it is having God as your supreme source not an optional source a supreme source the only source the place of life your faith has been given to you to cause these definitions of life to become tangible, materialistic things. Could I get an amen? You might say, oh, that's so deep. It's no deeper than a baby could understand. It means that if you mix faith with this right here, that it will become something tangible and usable Appliable for your life. Now, faith is given to you to live by. Somebody say live by. So no Christian, if faith was given to you to live by, then it is up to you, number one, to care for that faith. And if you pollute it, you water it down, you receive Uh, friends and accusations to disputation of faith your faith shrinks back your mind gets wounded or contaminated with disease of discouragement, negativity uh, loser mentality it can't happen it'll never happen for me if you get your mind diseased like that and don't protect your mind your faith will become damaged, tainted, and hindered. Protect what you think, protect what you hear, protect what you say, and protect your relationships. Oh, but you know, they're just growing, they don't understand. they don't hurry up and grow, throw them overboard. I mean that. I'm not in this thing to please man. I have this one race that I'm running, and your being my friend or liking me is not the reason I'm running it. I'm running it to please him. Amen. Amen. And I'm waiting for him to give me the decree, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, faith has been given to me to live, to live. Now, if faith has been given me To live then guess what is not supposed to be manifest in my life death what is the opposite of life death what is the opposite of love hate what is the opposite of abundance lack now if you right at this point say well you know you're just talking about prosperity you at this moment are reflecting to me, you have a damaged mind. If you think God is just about you getting a bunch of stuff and the kingdom not being established or you not doing what God wants you to do with what he put in your hands, you are brain diseased. And when somebody tells me, oh, you're into that prosperity stuff, I'm not into prosperity stuff. I'm into life stuff. And I want to be the receiver of life so I can be the giver of life. You know, it's real great that, that you have taken your vow of poverty, which is just a hypocritical lying vow that you fed yourself because every day you are more faithful to your job than you have ever been to God and the house of God. And you go there and you work because you want money. You go and you work because you want stuff. And that is nothing but self-promotion to self-prosperity. And you will afflict yourself and pierce yourself through with sorrows. You will never give more than you want to give. You'll never give it all for the cause of Christ. And all you're doing is building up a nest egg that you can rest in. But the prosperity and the life of God that you get by faith comes with an acknowledgment that there is something bigger than what you are contending with in your own life. Jesus gave us faith to obtain life so that we can give life to others. Could I get an amen? Amen. Go, go to 2 Peter, uh, Peter 1 3. 2 Peter 1-3. So faith, somebody say faith, will take that which is defined as God's will and make it a physical, tangible substance, just like the worlds were framed by the Word of God and faith. 2 Peter 1:3 according at His divine power, hath given unto us that pertain unto and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Next verse. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious what? Where is the life of God and godliness found in the Scriptures? Where is it defined? In the scripture. Where is it waiting to become solid, materialistic, a substance of this earth that we can use? It is waiting for faith to be mixed with it. But God has given us all things in these great promises that by these ye might be partakers of what? His divine nature. There are two things about God's nature that you and I need to embrace. Number one, God is not a cheap, poverty-ridden, thread barren God. I just want a little cabin in the back of heaven. Well, then you ain't going there because there ain't no backwoods heaven. The Bible said there are mansions there. Oh, well, I just want a little cabin. You have a mind disease. You have a mind disease. You need to think like God thinks. Quit thinking about self-existence and start thinking about the spreader, the giver, the sharer of life, of life. Now, the Bible says here that we might be partakers of his divine nature because we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, notice that it says that God has given us things that pertain to life and godliness. All of those are in these promises right here. Now, how do we cause life to come? By mixing faith with every promise of God this is not ordinary life it is an abundant life now what does the life of God consist of having sufficiency to abound under every good work 2nd Corinthians nine, ten, and 11 now when we abound under every good work what do we do we share life here's the mentality of prosperity You have two coats, give your brother one. Well, well, nobody needs two coats. To the disease minded no. But to those crippled by poverty mentality and foolishness of believing men instead of God, two coats don't make sense. But I'd much rather walk with a man that is living... the life of God by faith, so at least he has something to help me in life's journey for Christ. Now, when it talks about we have faith, all these promises given unto us, that we are to use our faith to live life. Living life means that we are to use our faith for every promise, in other to, in other words, to accumulate enough to be our provider so that when we see our brother have a need, we don't have to send him away with an empty prayer because we've lived a faithless life. If people have run into you and you are a self-prosperity creator... You do not have, nor will you ever have, the heart of God to touch a person's need. You may give him crumbs, but you'll never meet his needs. And you'll never be an example worth duplicating to experience life so that you could be a life giver. The other reason that faith is given to you is to live godliness. You are to use faith to promote holiness. Well, well, Pastor, you know, you know no, no. The Bible says that we build ourselves up. Jude the twentieth, twenty-two and twenty-three. We build ourselves up on your most holy faith. If you live a sinful life, now listen to me. I'm not preaching to you about sin. But I'm telling you that playing with sin will tarnish godliness and faith will not work in the hearts and the lives of unreasonable and men moved by wickedness. Second Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3.2 You have to use your faith to create A godly life not only do you create a godly life the Bible says in 1st Peter 1 5 that we are kept by the power of God through faith now that will tell you why Christians are so easily overcome and we're constantly dabbling in the same things over and over and over it's not a desire a lack of desire It is simply you trying to live Christianity out of your own diligence and your own temperance. And you are no match for the devil and you're no match for sin and you are no match for temptation except you approach it by faith. You are kept by the power of God through faith. And if you don't understand and start developing your life of faith, and every time the devil comes, you're going to be overcome. Every time the devil comes, you're going to be broke through on. Every time the devil comes, you're going to cave in. You say, oh, no, no, I, I, just, I just need to get stronger. You are not ever going to be strong enough to resist the devil and overcome without faith being used. Just get it in your head. Without faith, you couldn't be broken free from sin. And without faith, you're never going to be able to overcome the author of sin in your life. This is not a humanistic development of some inward strength. You know, the problem in the body of Christ is the people that sit in its pews and give ear to a bunch of charismatic, do-nothing, never-ever-lived-nothing, done-nothing, self-help hypocrites. And I mean that. You know, you, people bring in these tapes, oh, you ought to hear this guy. Oh, you ought to hear this guy. Oh, you ought to hear... They're a bunch of charismatic hypocrites. Not one doctrine has ever been preached. Not one doctrine has ever been explained. Nothing has ever been founded. And they use slang words that would make even the Pope say, oh, I haven't ever used that. Now listen to me. I'm telling you that it's time for us to start demanding something from the pulpits of America. And if you don't have something to give, if you can't go through a message without using some slang word or by using some off-shaded thing, it's time for you to get up and get away from your pulpit. Yeah, but they got thousands. Who cares? The Sadducees and Pharisees' disciples outnumber Jesus's on any good day. Now, how do we use our faith to develop godliness? How do you use your faith to live the life of God? You take what God has defined to be life and you mix your faith with it, right? One example, Abraham had a son born out of a dead womb and out of a dead loin. He was 100 years old and I think Sarah was 90, whatever, and she was a, must have had 50 facelifts or goat treatments or whatever. And uh, the Bible says that he took a promise of God, five words, so shall thy seed be. And he mixed faith with those five words and he mixed it by starting to speak something that was not tangible existible or materialistic or holdable in the world that he lived in but God taught him how to take the design, the defined promise the defined will of God and to mix faith with it and Isaac became not just a designed or defined descriptive word or a verbal unveiling, but he became a tangible, living, materialistic substance from Sarah's womb. And all he did was mix faith with what God said. He couldn't do anything on his own. He did what God told him to do. He took the defined will of God in script. And he mixed his faith with it. And he spoke things that were not real, but he spoke them as if they had already happened. He started saying, if I look at myself, my loins are dead. If I look at Sarah's womb, her womb is dead. But if I look at what God has revealed to me as being his will for my life, and I mix faith with it, then I will see a child become not just Verbally defined, not just word defined, but I will see him become a literal, physical substance that I can hold, handle, a living, breathing thing. Out of death, I will see life come. And so, what he did was he took the promise, and God instructed him how to speak. And he started calling himself, not Abram, the man with a promise, not Sarah, the woman with the dead womb, but he started calling himself Abraham, the father of many nations. But you don't have anything or any proof. You're right. But I have a description of what will happen if I mix faith with it. I will have physical seed coming out of my wife's womb, out of my dead loins, and they will cover the earth. Now, Abraham did that to obtain life. But how could we do it to obtain godliness? Let's go to uh, Colossians 3. Let's go to Colossians 3.1. Now, I'm going to show you, remember that Abraham spoke something that was not, but as he spoke it, Refused to change his words even when pressure came upon him. He stood patient, unmovable, undistracted, and he saw the described will of God come to pass in his life. Could again, amen. It became a tangible son. All right. Colossians three one. Let's look at verse 5 Mortify therefore your members Which are upon the earth Fornication, uncleanness Inordinate affection Evil concupiscence Covetness which is idolatry For which things sake The wrath of God come Upon the children of disobedience In that which ye also Walked sometimes When you lived in them But now ye also Put off All these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Now, I know that each and every person in this place deals with anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lying one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Did Abraham put off the old man of a dead loin and put on the new man of a man with loins of life? Yes. Could we mix faith with this right here? Most of us, when we look at this scripture, we say... Oh, man, i got to watch my tongue. I've got to watch this. I've got to watch that. You've been watching it for 80 years, and it's still been running out of control. Watching doesn't do much. Well, I'm I'm just going to stop, and I shouldn't be doing that. I know you shouldn't. God knows you shouldn't. But it's your old nature. And the only way to deal with the old nature is to deal with the promise of a new nature. You have to replace the old nature with the new nature. That new nature is only born out of faith mixed with God's designed will for your life. If I had a problem, besides Phyllis, if I had a problem, I would quit struggling with it And I would quit losing. And I would quit diseasing my mind with, I can't do it. I failed a hundred times. I've tried that before. I've been that route. And on and on and on, what you do is you disease your mind with failure. The reason we disease our mind with failure is because nobody's taught us how to use faith to crucify the old man. Now, if I wanted to create godliness in my life, and this is the definition of a portion of what godliness is, it is a life without anger. It is a life without malice, wrath, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. It is a, a, a part, the old man is a, a man filled with lies. it is a man that dominates the new man so the Holy Ghost can't do what he would. Galatians five sixteen down through twenty two Here's what I would do. I would say this, Father, I want to thank you that because I'm a new creature, that God I have put on the new man, and that the God the new man. That lives on the inside of me and dominates my life, my emotions, my mouth, my will, and my work, and the byproduct of my fruit. I want to thank you, God, that I'm a man without anger. I'm a man without any intention of wrath. I have no malice, nor will it ever reign in my life. I, God, have been freed from blasphemy, God. And God, filthy communication does not come out of my mouth. I refuse, God, because of the empowerment of your new creation in me to lie in my life. I will not lie to others. God, I will never ever fear other people and be intimidated enough to lie to them. God, I have put off that old man because all things are new in you. Now, God, the new man, produces... Love, life, temperance, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness. And God, when I live like that, God's sin has no place to be born in my life. I am the righteousness of God, and I do that which is righteous. God, my mind has been renewed, and that old man, God, has lost his power to rule and reign in my life. For God, you have given me the definition of godliness. And godliness is on the inside of me, and God is being made manifest, tangible, fruit-bearing in my life. God, I refuse to live under the old man because, God, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things are passed away. And, God, everything is new. And everything that God told me not to do, I wouldn't just try to become diligent and temperance and and self-motivated and self-strong, what I would do is I would start using my faith that where I am weak, I would then become strong, and I would keep myself by the power of God. Now you might say, "Oh, but I am angry and, and I made I I I I, was, I just I got filled with wrath and I just did something I shouldn't have done." Okay. I'm sure that Abraham tried, and there was nine months. It was the time appointed in a year. God comes back to visit Abraham. So for nine months, I mean for three months, Sarah had not conceived. What do you think he was doing during those three months? He was practicing. Oh, I just don't think that. Well, I don't know where your brain is of course he did what god told him to do and it wasn't a dirty thing it's a thing that god ordained between man and woman don't let the world steal the purity and the beauty of a sexual relationship amen and quit letting the world teach your kids what's right and what's wrong and you quit and allowing the world to dominate what you think is right and wrong, and you need to get into the Word and let God sanctify your household, purify your wedding bed, so that you can live life, and you can treat your spouse like God would treat His spouse. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, I would go through here and I would find all these things. And though I would make mistakes, that simply tells me that there is a battle. The old man is trying to take ground that he knows he is losing. He can't stand the transformation. He knows that his faith is not stopped, you will become a man that has not any trace of the old man in him. And you can have the statement, be you followers of me as I am of Christ. And they'll say of you, these are called Christians. But we have limited what life is, and all we do is we so demean it that life is just about having what we can have, but life is not about that. God never keeps what he has. He always gives what someone needs. Somebody said, oh, God's not moved by need. Tell that to the cross. Quit saying such foolish stuff. Well, brother so and so, stop listening to brother so and so, and read the Bible. God's not moved by need. Why did He give you seed? He was moved. God's not moved by need, really. Why did Jesus bear the stripes? Because you had need of healing, and that we we could go ten thousand scriptures to their one opinionated, philosophical thought. We need to think like the Bible thinks. Amen? Amen. And so, God has given you everything that pertains to life, and life is about getting enough by your faith, God being your source, so that others can live life around you. And then God gives you godliness. But it has to be appropriated by faith. Stop struggling. Trying to corral the old man. He cannot be overcome except by faith. And you will be kept by the power of God through faith. Hallelujah. Well, we got to two passages of Scripture here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of glory. Let's raise our hands up towards heaven today. Can I have the band come up? Praise God forever. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I know they're going to tell me that I forgot to challenge you to give an Easter offering, but I'm not missing it. I know you're going to do it. I need a supernatural Easter offering. I don't need just for you to do what you can do. I need people to give sacrificially. We're, all of it goes to the church. It's staying in the house, and we're just changing some things. We're maintaining some things. We're doing a, a new roof and things like that on, on an older building, and uh, we just need your help. You do whatever you can do. You do your very best. That's all God asks you to do. Don't do anything less. You you will feel you've cheated God, and you will have. You give God your very best. We take this offering up on Easter, on Easter Sunday. And as we give that offering, it just enables us to carry these things out here at the church. Just like you take care of your house, we have to take care of the house of the Lord. So please get one of those envelopes if they're in the back of the things or... Let's have the ushers back at the back. Uh, if you can have a handful of those envelopes. And you give your very best. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus, we thank you right now. Hallelujah. Let's sing that song right there, guys. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Let's everybody stand on feet.
1: This pain is Miracle is waiting. Watch him move. Reach out your hand and touch him as he passes by. The time is now for faith to come alive. Let us receive.
0: to be a sinner God sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not have to perish be separated from him eternally but could be saved and have eternal life and so God has given you his son his will for you is that you be saved and then if you're here today and you're a backslider You're a backslider. You know what that means. You once served God and you forsook Him. And you went right back to your old ways. Now God is here because He loves you and He's the God of second chances. The Bible said if any man will confess his sins, that God will be faithful and just to forgive him and to cleanse him from all of his unrighteousness. Now you don't have to return to God. But I would encourage you that you should. He loves you. Nobody loves you like God does. God loves a sinner. God loves a backslider. Now he's here to change each one of those lives. He's here for the sinner. And he's here for the backslider. So if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior,
1: never asked
0: him to come into your heart you've been living life the way you want to live it well understand that you're separated from god but today because of god's grace and mercy he's here saying come unto me all ye that are heavy laden and i will give you rest if you come to the cross then jesus will cast your sins as far as the east is to the west If you're here and you're a backslider today, now's the time for you as a prodigal son to come back to the Father's house. Now with that you, if you're a sinner or a backslider, step out into the aisle that is nearest you and come down here, and I want to pray a prayer with you, not just for you, but with you, that Jesus will come into your life and you'll be born again. Backsliders will be reconciled unto God. Now if that's you. They're going to sing this one more time. You get out in the aisle that's nearest you. Come down here and let us pray for you. Sinners and backsliders. This is your time right now. Faith
1: that saves us. Faith that heals us. Only believe the name of Jesus. Wherever you are, come on. We yeah.
0: Take care of them, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, uh, I want to pray. Uh, Twyla, where are you, Twyla? Come on back up here, Twyla. Twyla, just finally after years of, of pain, they've discovered that she has a ruptured disc. Is that right, Twyla? What is it? A bulging disc, okay? And uh, it's number five. Yeah and uh, that's what's causing all your pain and all that and numbness okay so everybody stretch forth your hand we're going to pray and god's going to heal twilight in the name of jesus christ of nazareth i command right now this bulging disc in the name of jesus i command you to come out of her right now i command you to loose her and god i lose the working a miracle all this inflammation god these inflamed nerves i command this disc to go back into place in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you for it. Amen and amen. There's also a a boil that is being healed. Uh, It's like under somebody's arm, and that's being healed right now in the name of Jesus. In fact, there's somebody here that has, is like a, I I don't want to say like a plague, but it it seems like you are plagued, by these boils that constantly come up. Well, I curse that right now, and I command blessing upon your physical body. The Bible says if I bless you, you will be blessed. And I loose right now blessing upon your life. The very uh, makeup in your body is being changed, the chemical makeup, and you're not going to have any more of those boils rising up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Now, God, I ask you to bless. I ask you to be upon. I ask you to care. I ask you to keep, God, this people that are called by your name. They are the redeemed God. They are the righteousness of God. They are the accepted of the Lord. They are lifted up and not downcast. They are the head and not the tail. They are seated in heavenly places. They are the righteousness of God. They are the redeemed. They are the accepted. They are the beloved of God. They are crowned with glory and honor. And God, you are honored to call them your sons and your daughters. God, they are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You live in them and you move in them. God, their being is in you. God, their needs are met because you are the shepherd of their soul. We thank you, God, your eyes are upon them. You do not sleep, nor do you slumber. But, God, you came and you gave them life. And they are the possessors of life and godliness, God. They are overcomers, Father. No weapon formed against them will ever prosper.